Welcome to the RV Dreaming Podcast. And welcome to the RV Dreaming Podcast. This podcast is for today's and tomorrow's nomads who thrive on adventure, embrace an unconventional lifestyle, and seek life beyond the ordinary. My name is Stuart from Stuart Doing Stuff on Instagram, and I've been a full-time nomad now for three years, half of which I spent in a 40-foot Super C, and the other half in a 24-foot Mercedes Sprinter. And I travel with my two cats, Camden and Izzy, and you can follow me on Instagram for stories and videos and just a whole bunch of great information at Stuart Doing Stuff. Now, I mention all this because it's a very great topic to what we're going to talk about today. See, I came across this article from Wayfarer Vans, and, and they're a local van builder. Now, the article is not about them per se, but they have this blog on their website, and it is titled, Seven Reasons a Camper Van is Better Than an RV. So I'm going to kind of read this, and I'm going to, because I have that unique perspective of being in both. So I'm going to read this, and we're going to kind of go through whether or not these are accurate statements, and if the pros of being in a camper van are really better than an RV. So let's dive into this. Number one, the number one reason, or the first one they give on why a camper van is better than an RV is not spending time in the repair shop. RVs, it says, one of the most frustrating features of a traditional RV is they're always breaking down. Statistically, the first year you own a new RV, it'll be in the shop four to six months with continued repairs needed as years progress. RVs break down because they're mass produced with the cheapest possible materials. They have overly complicated systems and everything is layered behind fiberglass and plastic. Then you'll also need to wait for an appointment with a certified RV tech to perform the repairs. That's what they're saying about the RVs. Now what they're saying about vans, why are vans different? Well, I'm going to read place at here. Why are Wayfarer vans different? Again, I'm not endorsed or supported or any way affiliated with Wayfarer vans. I'm just reading what's on their website, okay? So why are Wayfarer vans different? The quality of our materials and craftsmanship result in a very high quality product with only a small portion of our vans ever needing repair. Also, our simple designs leave very little to break. And if you need to address any issues, you can easily access all parts of the conversion with few common household tools, common hand tools. Okay, so let's look at this for a second. Because there is some truth in this, but it's not exactly as they're saying. So number one, when they're talking about RVs, it says statistically the first year you own a new RV, it'll be in the shop four to six months with continued repairs as a need as, as, as things progress. Okay. I don't know about four to six months in the first year. That seems to me like it is a lot. However, in all new RVs, there is a shakedown period where things will break when things are not right. That that will require attention okay when you buy a new rv it's not like buying a brand new car it's not going to be perfect off the lot these things have a lot of moving components a lot of components built by many different manufacturers and sometimes when they just come together through no fault of their own sometimes it could be build quality sometimes it could just be employee lease because there's a lot of different reasons why it, it may not be perfect right off the lot so you have to account for that. When you buy an RV, when you go and pick it up, they just don't sign the papers and hand you the keys. You schedule what's called a PDI or pre-delivery inspection. And this is when you go through this thing top to bottom, left to right. And a lot of dealers will try and rush you through this process. And I say, don't do it. Don't rush this process and do not take delivery of your rig until you've tested every single component in there. 
When I bought my Super C, I spent probably about four hours, which is way more time than they wanted me in that rig. They want to get you in and they want to get you out. You find everything that needs to be fixed and you have to fix it before you take delivery because a lot of times they'll say, oh, well, we'll just make an appointment. You can come back to us and we'll fix it then. No, don't do that. Who knows when that appointment is going to be? Who knows if they're going to offer warranty work? Who knows? Their only incentive, their best incentive is to fix things while you're there. So go through that. And here's the other thing too. Check your entire rig when it is on shore power and when you're uh, on your inverter and when you're running a generator because maybe there might be some electrical issues that work when it's on shore power but doesn't work off your inverter. And if you need to go and figure out why this is happening or things are blowing fuses or whatever the case may be, now is the time to do that. Now is the time to check it out. So boats are the same way, but boat owners are more... um, educated, I guess, in knowing that there's going to be a shakedown period. People who buy RVs just think it's going to be like a car and just be driven right off the lot. Now, the same thing can go with vans, but because they're smaller, they don't have a lot of the uh, the sophisticated components. For example, they probably don't have slides in them, and that could be a big area. But they're still going to have power. They're still going to have inverters. They're still going to have water and plumbing systems. Some vans may not have toilets, so they may not have black tanks and all this. So there are less parts in some vans. But you can still go buy a Class B van from like a Winnebago or from Airstream that have all of the still major components that an RV does. So when you look at spending time in the repair shop, you really kind of have to take it into a whole account. Buying from a local builder, someone small, with less components, because a lot of times now in these vans, they're not putting showers in. They're not putting uh, black tanks in. They're not putting in a lot of the, the components that go into an RV. So just the less components, less chance of something breaking. So in that aspect, all of that is is true to an extent, but not spending time in the repair shop. It's a van. It's a car. You're taking it down the road multiple times a day, hundreds and thousands of miles a month. And every time you hit a pothole, every time you go through a intersection, every time, you know, you're everything in your house shakes, you know. So it's like they say you're you're taking your house through a tiny little earthquake every time you take it out on the road. So I don't really care whether it's a van, if it's a trailer, if it's an RV. When you're driving this thing, things are going to come loose over time, even in the best quality build. That's why you just have to kind of know that this that's part of the lifestyle. That's part of the situation that you're getting into. Repair shops, why are they different? They do, obviously, if they're hand-built from a smaller company and they spend more time on it, obviously the build's going to be better. There are RV lines that are out there that do that. There are some that don't, and I'm sure that for the van life builders too. Some of them do it, and some of them don't. So that's why it's up to you as the buyer to do your homework on what you're buying and making sure that everything works before you take your delivery of your of your rig. Number two, simple, no maintenance. RVs. The list of suggested regular maintenance on RVs can include check and repair seals as needed, clean air conditioner vents and ducts, run generator monthly, wax the exterior, lubricate slides, hitches, hacks and uh, hinges and jacks, uh, manage wastewater systems, replace a water filter, monthly, uh, blah, 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 what is it? Oh, monitor for mold growth. I was like, what is that thing? Um, winterizing your van is also a whole separate list of chores. That's interesting. It says winterizing your van is also, I think they meant to say winterizing your RV because that's in the RV part. Now, vans. It says, we recommend the following two-step maintenance plan for your van. Empty the fresh and gray water tanks after each trip. 
and bring your Goal Zero battery inside to store. So that's something that's specific about the Wayfarer vans. I guess they use this Goal Zero battery. I'm not quite sure what that is. In a van, you're going to have all this kind of maintenance as well for the most part. A lot of these new Class B vans, they do have generators that run them. On my Winnebago era, I have a propane generator that needs to be run regularly. Um, washing and waxing the interior. Yeah, it's a car. You got to wash it. Lubricate slide outs. As soon as I said that about the other one, I do remember there's a Winneba Winnebago era van. It's a it's a 24 footer that does have a slide in it. And there is someone I know that has that one. So again, not all sizes, especially if you look into the B pluses, the B pluses have slides as well. Lubricating your slides, your hitches, your jacks, you're managing wastewater that that's done whether you're in an RV or not or in a van or not. I don't really see anything in that. I just think that the larger you go in your RV, the more maintenance you're going to have. And that's just like anything else. The bigger house you have, the more maintenance, the more cleaning, the more stuff that you're going to need to tend to, whether you're in a big house or a small house or in a big RV or a small fan. Number three, easy to drive, RVs. From a large motor coach to a small turbo, there are significant learning curves for a lot of folks driving an RV for the first time. Spend a weekend at an RV park and see how many couples are speaking terms. <laughs> it says, spend a weekend at an RV park and see how many couples are on speaking terms after backing in a new RV. <laughs> and that, I'm going to tell you, it's one of my favorite hobbies when I am at an RV park watching people try and back in and communicate. It can get... It can get a little dicey sometimes. Like if you're a boat owner and you know how sometimes couples are trying to back down to a boat ramp or back in and get a boat back onto it. Yeah, same kind of stuff. So it can be very, very entertaining if it's not you. It can be very stressful if it is you and your spouse or partner. Easy to drive. In a van, we found that even the most timid of drivers can easily adapt to driving a camper van. With a footprint no larger than a full-size truck and no trainer to line up with or a hitch to consider when you're backing into a space, driving a van is a piece of cake. They also get comp uh, they also get really good gas mileage. And and that, I'm going to have to say, so far out of the, the three that we've gone through, I'm going to go with this one and say, yes, that is absolutely true. A van, they range from 19 feet, I think is the smallest, all the way up to 24 feet. They're a car. They're a van. They fit into single parking spaces. They have good turning radiuses. You back in and back out and drive just as you normally would. And you're getting much better gas mileage than you would be in a Class A diesel, for example, or a Super C like I have. Uh, C classes like the small ones that are on the Ford uh, 350 chassis or the ones that are on the Mercedes Sprinter chassis, the, the small Bs, they are wider. You know, as they come out, they extend out. So it's going to give you a little wider on the range. Uh, not on the range. It's going to make it a little wider in the lane. And um, getting into parking spots, you know, you're going to use up more space on, on a B plus or even a small C. So that is true in, in that element. I will say that this is probably the one thing that is true. Vans are much easier to drive than almost any quote-unquote RV that you would find out there. Uh, item number four, nothing to set up and tear down. RVs, depending upon the complexity of an RV or travel trailer, the to-do list and set up and tear down can be very long. Did you turn off the water pump? Did you turn off the refrigerator? Did you turn off the pilot light? Did you check your antenna? Did you bring your slides in? Close the hatch, cabinet, stores, put away the awning. <sighs> I'm just tired just reading that. Vans, ready to move your camper van, bring in your chairs and clean off the cabinet and put it in drive. And that true, that is true as well. Like people who are in travel trailers, especially solos that I that I know on the road. Oh man, it is so much work to to set up, to break down, to move from point A to point B. I just I just don't understand. You know, in my Super C, I would just come in, I would park, I would hit my level button, and then I had the automatic hydraulic leveling jacks. And then once that's done, I put out the slides and I'm good to go. 
And in the van, it's it's even simpler. I just make sure that some basic stuff. I make sure that the latches are closed because my van has different latches than the Super C. These doors tend to fall open easier and I, because it's a van it is easier i tend to drive it more like a car so it is kind of get turns and, and cranks a little more versus a, a a big like when i had my 40 foot super c that thing was a little more uh driven a little more conservatively i guess is a good way to say it. so i didn't have as many problems good thing about rvs and vans no matter which one you do like i don't really clean off my countertop unless i'm going through some rugged back road boondocking or something like that i really don't clean off my countertop. I, I have my air fryer on it and it's fallen off a few times, but those are like on the back roads or when someone makes a really sharp turn that, um, and when I say someone, I'm thinking because when I just had my Mercedes service, they took it out on a test drive and whoever test drove it to make sure that everything was working must've drove this thing like a bat out of hell because everything went flying. All the cabinets went open, all the stuff went off the counters, all my air fryer cracked in half. Whoever took it on a test drive, I mean, you can, really do some damage in a van if you're not careful and so mercedes uh benz the uh, dealership i took it to they're they're work, working out the damages because it did it did damage some stuff it damaged my refrigerator door when they were moving some stuff so there's some things that we're working on on that that's i you know i digress though on, on all that so again if you're in a van you're in a smaller space here's the other difference too in a van you are most likely driving almost daily so you learn to live in a situation where you don't take out as much stuff and you don't bring out as much and, and, and you don't bring out as much stuff when you set up. You only utilize what you need. You bring it in, you use it, you put it back, you bring it in, you put it out versus in a RV. If you know you're going to be somewhere for seven days or 10 days or longer, you kind of really hunker down and you get all your stuff set up. I know people that put out plants and this and that. So it, it can make it a, a, um, a much more difficult and time-consuming experience to move. So in vans, you are used to saying, oh, I'm just going to run up to the grocery store real quick. And here, let me, for me, all I do when I drive, I close the windows and then I um, secure the cat food and water. I put little lids on the thing. So that way when I'm driving, you know, the food and the water doesn't go around. But beyond that, closing the windows and doing that, I, I'm almost in daily drive ready to go mode at any particular time. So that's, that's good. Okay. Number five, easy to store RV. Depending upon your living situation and space, possibly HOA guidelines, you may need to find a storage space to park your RV when you're on the road. In our area of the country, which I don't know what that is, uh, the average cost per month of RV parking is around $155. If you own your RV for 10 years, that's more than $18,000 you're spending for parking. Versus a van, vans are our vans fit within a normal parking. Again, this is from Wayfarer Vans. So when I say our vans, I mean Wayfarer Vans. Fit within a normal parking space and can also double as your daily driver. Camper vans parked in a neighborhood more easily blend in with work vans, delivery vans without drawing too much attention. But if you do live in an area with a very strict HOA, you still may need to find alternative parking options. And that's true too. Vans with the high roofs, they're not going to fit in your garage unless you have an RV garage. But you can find ways to make it blend in. And there are a ton of different ways because RVs, remember, RVs have those big graphics packages and those big swirls on the side and big logos and things like that. And a lot of the camper vans are just, they don't, they don't have that. They're single color, often white or silver, or sometimes black or gray, or different kinds of, of normal car colors. They don't have all the flair on the side, so it doesn't scream RV. And in vans, depending upon who you go with, they're getting really good 
at not cutting holes in the side for like vents for water heaters and vents for your refrigerator ventilation and microwaves and stuff. They're getting really, really good at finding ways to incorporate those things that need ventilation into different areas of the van where it's it's um, it's hidden. Same thing with your water fills and, and all that. They're finding very, very good ways to make the vans just look like a van as opposed to an RV. So that is a, a really great thing. And vans do just store in your driveway. You just park it. Even my van, the largest van that you have, 24 feet, when I go visit my parents, I can park this in their driveway. And I'm not obstructing their their in and out. I'm not obstructing the sidewalk. It's just a normal driveway in a normal suburban neighborhood. And I can just throw my van in there and there's never a problem. So that's great. And then I can just run an electrical cord out there, just a normal 110 to keep my batteries charged up. Number six, and they cut, this was kind of part of number five as well. A van can also be your daily driver or a mini adventure mobile. Most folks store their RVs in a lot and only bring them out for camping trips. You want to drive around town with a fifth wheel, so you have to find a place to change after your post-work hike. It could get the job done, but many... Okay, I don't like this paragraph, but wait... Uh, I don't like this paragraph, but basically what it's saying is um, most people just use their RVs for camping. That's it. And those uh, little trips, the hikes, you know, you can take a van to a soccer game. You can, well, let me read the van part here. We love the convenience of using a camper van for many adventures that don't include an overnight trip. Going mountain biking, running errands to the home improvement store, headed to a, <laughs> you have put it here, headed to a soccer practice. The reason moms love vans is if you have a camper van, you can haul all your gear, you can take a nap in between games, you can cook lunch, uh, take a work call, and most of them have a bathroom. You know, and, and, and that I'm up here in Yosemite. I've been up here for a week and uh, I, I'm camping with some people. So we'll we'll take another car into the park. And one of the things that, you know, we have six people packed up into this van when we're, or car, this truck that we're in. And all of a sudden someone says, oh, I need to pee or something like that. You know, was, you, you got to find a porta potty and one of those outhouses and they're not pretty. Let me tell you, they are not pretty at all. One of the great things about having the van that you just take everywhere is you've got everything you need. You've got your bathrooms, you've got your refrigerators, you, you have everything you need. You, you're not going to do that with your RV in just your daily normal world. So that's a, a big plus, and that's one of the reasons I even moved to a van from the Super C. And the number seven is not really one. I'm, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but I'm going to give you my synopsis here. So number seven on their website is supporting a small business instead of a huge corporation. So we're not going to get into Wayfair Vans because, again, I'm not affiliated with them. I don't have any um, any ties to them. I have reached out to them for permission to utilize this blog post of theirs in our podcast, and they said absolutely. So I don't know anything about them beyond just reaching out and saying, hey, can I talk about this blog post on your website on my podcast and they said yes what i'm going to kind of do though instead of going through this what i really want to talk about are the the true pros and cons of an rv versus a super c and and for this sake i'm going to i'm sorry i, I said super c i meant just an rv not a big one for this comparison i'm going to assume i'm gonna make some assumptions we're going to talk about just a normal van and we're going to talk about just a basic class c I'm talking about someone who wants something small, compact, occasional camper, maybe full timing, and on a budget. So I'm not going to talk about diesel, big luxury class A's and, and stuff like that. Okay, so we're going to shrink down to something around a 28 to 32 foot maybe C class 
RV on a Ford chassis, or maybe even a B plus or a um, something uh, like a Winnebago View. That's a, a C class on a Mercedes Sprinter platform. So when I look at these two comparisons, that's where I'm going to look at because if you look at the price difference between a a van that's ranging anywhere between 150 to 2,000 uh, $200,000, you can get a more equipped, better equipped RV, C-Class RV for way less, sometimes even half. And that was one thing I kept going over. It's like, how is this more expensive? And the reason is because the demand is better. If you're looking for a small RV, a small van that you can take anywhere, the, the vans are the most desirable and that's why they're most expensive. The other thing too is a lot of these vans, especially like from these little companies that are building out vans, they are really well designed and hand built by small teams. So they're not machines, they're not the manufacturers. I think that was in the article. These guys put their own blood, sweat, and tears into it. A lot of them can be customized to be exactly what you want. And a lot of these vans too come with things that regular RVs don't like a really good beefy upgraded suspension, 4x4 chassis, and just everything else that you can that you can put into these things. A lot of these vans have way more power, way more lithium, way more solar than some of these off-the-mill RVs or, or C-classes, the smaller ones. So if you're really looking to say, I want to go off-roading, I want a full-time, I want to not worry about anything, these vans and these different van builders are way ahead of the curve in terms of accessibility, in terms of technology, and just in terms of everything that you would need if you're a serious, I want to get out there and go do something. If you're just a, a family and you're just talking about, oh, I only want to use it on the weekends or we're only going to go out maybe once a month during the summer – yeah, you're, this is probably the van's probably not the right rate. It's going to be too much money for your return on your spending. But if you're saying, hey, I'm going out there and I want to live and I want to go and take road trips and I want to go and really experience what life is like on the road, a van is going to be way better. As you know, I just got back from Canada. I did a month-long uh, trip up there. I would never have done that in the Super C. It was way too big. Doing it in the van allowed me the freedom and the flexibility to do way more and see way more and cost way less because I didn't pay for campgrounds. I just did stealth camping everywhere. You know, you couldn't do that in an RV. And it would be way more difficult to do it in a smaller C-Class that screams RV someone sleeping in it. You know, with the swirls and the signs and all that stuff on the on the side. So that's kind of my take. The, the, the hardest part for me moving from a RV to a van was that sticker shock of the price. There was the downsizing and moving things around. But once you get over that, you realize, oh, this is plenty. You know, there's there's floor plan layouts I want to make to my van that will make it even more friendly. But that's coming later down the line. I'm going to plan on doing that this winter. I'm going to do some custom modifications on my own. The reality is the cost was the one thing. Is like, how can I get this van that costs, you know, $150,000 to $200,000? Why would I buy that? As opposed to this you know, C-Class RV that is bigger, that is longer, that is less than half the price. That's the hardest, the hardest pill to swallow when you're looking at an RV versus a van. And really, it just comes down to the pure fact that vans are more nimble, they can do more things, they can go to more places, and they're usually better well-built. That's the other thing, too. When you're looking at a, uh, a Ford 
uh, or a Mercedes Sprinter chassis, if you're looking at a, a van that has been made, they are, you know, when Winnebago or whoever buys these chassis, they're just buying that chassis. They're reconstructing the exterior, the fiberglass, all of these other kinds of stuff. So, you know, RVs are not the safest cars in the world to be driving down the road. You know, these things flip, they roll over, and they just get completely demolished. It's just fiberglass on the outside. They do it to keep the weight down. But when you're looking at like a van, like my van is still a Mercedes. It still got it still has the 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 shell of a Mercedes. It still has that structural integrity because the same van that I'm in right now, they also use it for passenger vans. So if you're ever like at an airport and there's passenger shuttles from hotels and stuff like that, that's the same van that they use. So they have higher quality standards. That's the other thing too. The build quality is way higher in, in, in something like this than it would be if you're just um, creating a fiberglass shell on a Mercedes or on a Ford chassis. So that's, that's something else to, to kind of keep in mind. It's just a safety. That's why a lot of people... And we're not going to get into this here, but that's why a lot of people, when they're saying, am I going to buy, buy a van or am I going to go into maybe like convert a bus? They choose the buses because the buses are solid. You know, those buses are, are made to transport children. These things have huge safety ratings, even beyond what vans have. So that's that's a whole another situation, though. And that's important to you. It's something to keep in mind. But if it's not important to you, then it's really not just. A, eh. I think the bigger thing is, how are you going to do it? And I think that. You can go to a lot of places in a small C class or even a B plus, but you're still you still can't go everywhere. So that's kind of my my report. That's kind of my synopsis of of which one is better. I hope you got something out of that. I'd love to hear your comments. Be sure to email me, Stuart at RVDreaming.tv. Call our hotline, 714-623-9824. Leave me your thoughts and comments or find us online at Facebook at RVDreaming and I'm just kind of curious, what are your thoughts between RVs and vans? Because there's something for everyone out there, and part of really enjoying your time on the road is finding which one works best for you. So that's it for this episode of the RV Dreaming Podcast. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe, enjoy your travels, make them safe, make them fun, and make them memorable. Until next time, this is Stuart with Stuart Doing Stuff on Instagram, and I will see you down the road. Thanks for listening to the RV Dreaming Podcast. See the action on Instagram. Stuart Doing Stuff. Hear about it on the podcast. Be sure to subscribe. We'll see you in the next episode.